I have a method to my madness on when I preach and when I don't. Some of you are like, oh, why aren't you preaching? You only work a half day a week. You don't do anything. You're sitting around all the time, which is not true, but it's okay. You can believe what you want. Um, but in passages where we have two pregnant women meeting one another and this joyful moment, I think it's always better to hear from someone who's actually experienced some of that stuff before instead of someone who's like, well, it's pretty cool, I guess. I don't know. And, so, uh, but you'll get to see me use my gifts in a lot of other yes. ways, plus I'm, I'm speaking the next two times. So, um, but Heather Rogers is married to my good, good friend, Don Rogers, my brother from another mother, and um, <laughs> you chose well, my friend. Yeah, Heather is remarkable. I first met Heather, she was Miss Gilman at Chico Christian School. She was teaching across the campus and, and kind of watched this whole thing happen and... and, and play out and got to be the best man at the wedding and I went to clink the glass and broke the glass at the reception. Do you remember that? You'd pro I don't know if you knew. We tried to keep it a secret, but totally blew it. I owe somebody money, I'm sure. But but Heather, it has been so fun to watch you and Don continue to grow close together. You have these three lovely daughters who are just amazing. And we're so thankful you're back in our city using your gifts to bless others. And Heather may mention a little bit of this, but she's working internationally with YWAM to raise up teachers that would have a biblical foundation. And it is literally transformative across the world. And we are so, so proud of you. So Jesus, would you bless my friend as she shares. Thank you for the joy that she carries, the maturity that she has. And thank you for the love that she has for you. I pray that that would all come through so clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, thank you. Well, great. I didn't know we were going to talk about uh, our wedding. So maybe we can just, that will lead right into where I wanted to start this morning, actually. Uh, as he mentioned, we're going to be talking about um, pregnancies and Mary and Elizabeth. And I thought I was just thinking about my own experience. And so it happened about 19 years ago that I was at a neighborhood church women's retreat. And I was sitting in one of our breakout sessions. And actually, my mother-in-law, trying to hold it together, um, was speaking. There was only maybe 10 of us in the room. And I was sitting there and I just, I suddenly felt something in my abdomen. I felt this like tingling. And the Lord reminded me of the passage of I knit you together in my mother's womb. And I thought, you know, we'd been praying, we'd been excited, we'd been filled with joy and anticipation for maybe having our first child. And so I just quietly prayed and asked the Lord like, you know, to confirm this. And sure enough, a few weeks later, um, I could go have that test and found out that we were expecting our firstborn. And I just thought about that experience and that excitement when you have prayed and planned for a pregnancy. And I recognize that's not everybody's story. That's not everybody's experience. As we know with Mary, she was young. She was maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. I was double her age. When you think of it, I was 31 and I had life experience and we had planned it and I was married and I was ready for that. And Mary was in some ways not. But yet God doesn't always call those who are equipped, right? 
what he will do is he will equip those who are called. And in this case with Mary, he called her first and then he equipped her to be the Lord, the mother of our Lord and Savior. And so even though maybe I had experience and I was ready and planning for that pregnancy, I just want that to be a message for somebody today is you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be fully equipped and trained to be used by God, but he will call you and then he will equip you with what he wants you to do. So question, how many in here today can relate to being pregnant? Okay, a a few and online. But how many of you can relate that you have had an experience in the womb? Okay, I'm seeing who's awake here. If the question again is, how many of you can relate that you had an experience in the womb? And that is everyone here. Everyone who is living and breathing and sitting in this room today had nine months, give or take, in your mother's womb to be formed and fashioned and created because God is the creator and he made you. And as we think about that, I just wanted to share that as we get started to say that I think there's something in this message today for everyone in here. Just like we all have that common experience that we had a time in the womb, everyone in here today, I think there's something you're going to take away, some application, whether you were a young Mary, 14 or 15, or you are an older Elizabeth later on in years of life, that there's going to be something here for you. So we're going to start off um, in our story, and we're going to actually back up a little bit from the scene that you saw, and the reason for that is I want to set the stage of John the Baptist and think about what, what happened actually before we get to that scene where Mary and Elizabeth are meeting here. So our passage here starts with Luke 1, uh, verses 5 through 7. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees, blameless. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. I want to point out here that it says that they were righteous in the sight of God, that they served faithfully. He was of the priestly line, but they did not have a child. And sometimes people might think of this about you, or maybe you've thought it about other people of, well, gosh, they don't have the blessing in their life they've been waiting for and praying for, so maybe it's something they did. Maybe, maybe there's a sin issue. Maybe there's some reason why God won't bless them. But it says here in this example that they were righteous, they were faithful. They were walking in the path that God had led them, but yet they'd got waited decades without a child, maybe 10, 20, 30 years. They've been waiting and and never had their own natural child. And maybe that even speaks to somebody in here today. You're saying, you know, I wanted a child. We, my husband and I tried and, and it just wasn't in it for us. But maybe it's a timing thing. I want you to let, settle on that for just a minute because God's timing is perfect. God's never late and he's never early. As we go on in our, our next passage here, it says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him Standing at the right side of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, 
and you will call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. So the angel comes, and it's interesting to see that he's gripped with joy. And if you remember, if you were here last week, when the angel came to Joseph, he was also gripped with, sorry, gripped with fear, gripped with fear. And I thought about that. Sometimes we have this image of angels being kind of this delicate, like kind of almost wimpy type thing. I think the fact that these grown men who knew God and were firm in their faith were fear that it was like an overwhelming like fear of the Lord, like, oh my goodness, what message is coming to me because this angel is here visiting me? And so he's gripped with fear, but then he says to him, you're going to have a son. Now he might have thought, well, I kind of wanted a son 30 years ago. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for that a long time ago. I'm old. My wife is older in years and we're not really ready to have a newborn baby, but, but think of the timing. If they would have had a son 30, 40 years ago, that son would have been maybe two generations off of Jesus. This, this son that's in, this, in his wife's womb that's going to be born soon needed to be set at the time of Jesus because God had set that in place long before. So just think about that. If you've been waiting for something and you don't see it coming to pass, and you're thinking, it's too late for me. Maybe in some of you, your cases, it's a timing thing. So he gives them this word, though. He says, he, John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And I just love that because the Holy Spirit's going to come on this baby in the womb. You heard that from Andrew last week. He talked about um, how the Holy Spirit was going to come on the Virgin Mary so that she would conceive and then now it's going to come on, um, on her womb. I'm using another translation here. This is the Christian Standard Bible because it uses that word womb. Um, NIV just says before birth. But I just feel like we're going to unpack this a little more today of what does it mean to have something in the womb? What does it mean to have something stirring, something brewing in you that's getting ready to give birth? And that'll be something all of us can be part of a story in. So after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. I thought about that. I was trying to, as I was preparing this, putting myself in the story of Mary at times, putting myself in the story of Elizabeth. And I thought, yeah, you know, if I was maybe 60, 70 years old and was pregnant, I, I might decide to be in seclusion for a few months, you know. I don't know how people would receive my, my news. I'm not sure what her reasons were for, for staying somewhat in seclusion, but I can think as a woman of some reasons why. And um, so interesting, again, though, that the, the timing of this is so perfect. If you are not here uh, the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to, to go online and watch them. So this scene here um, is our Mary from a couple of weeks ago. Again, the living art was just um, beautiful, and so wanted to show you that picture in case that you, you missed that. Um, but so first here we have that the Gabriel is the angel that's actually named. We know that it's Gabriel that's coming and speaking to Zechariah in Luke 1.19. It says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Okay, so that visitation from the angel came first, 
Then next, we come up to our uh, time we had together last week, um, or, or excuse me, two weeks ago, uh, where it said, Mary, Luke, this is Luke 1, 26 and 27, God sent the angel um, Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And then we have our, our next one, which was last week, and this is uh, the one where the angel visited um, Joseph. It doesn't specify that this, again, is Gabriel. I kind of looked around a little bit and thought, I think this would still be the same angel, right? If it's visiting Zechariah and it's visiting Mary and Joseph is her husband. Um, and also what I thought of why we might conclude that this is still Gabriel is because of that same phrase, do not be afraid. He uses that same phrasing when he's speaking to Joseph as also when he's speaking to, to Zechariah. Um, so let's just talk a minute about these words, fear, and you've been hearing a lot about joy this morning. Fear and joy. And, you know, they, they seem very opposite, right? You know, the fear of the Lord is coming on him as, as this angel is speaking. Other synonyms or definitions there, fright panic, terror. Um, it says, he was startled and was gripped with fear out of Luke there. But I think this might be a bit of a different fear. There's a fear when we're a fear of um, things like phobias, or we've watched a scary movie, or we've put ourselves in a situation where we're, we're fearful. And there's many scriptures that say, perfect love casts out all fear, right? So, what does it mean in, in this case to be fearful? Out of Deuteronomy 10, 12, it says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul. I think this kind of fear here is a healthy fear of the Lord, a reverent fear it's kind of like I've heard the analogy of if, if you were to be alone in a field and you saw a lion coming towards you, you know, there's, there's a healthy fear of that being, you know, not to taunt it and not to be foolish about it, but a reverence. And I think that there's a time when we need to be humble and irreverent with the Lord because we have a fear of the Lord, um, now we look at that other word, joy. We've been talking about it a lot today. And certainly I love the faces of a Mary and Elizabeth as they kind of interacted a little bit during that vignette um, because it was such a joyful time as they were celebrating these, these pregnancies together. Um, so we see here words like laughter. I even saw dancing. I was surprised at some of the definition were actually more of these action verb words. Um, not what I expected, but laughing and even said celebration as unto a birth of a child. That actually is part of the definition. And I thought that is so fitting for our Christian faith. That so fits this time of year because we're celebrating Advent season and the topic of joy as we look unto the celebration of birth. And it says here, John will be a joy and delight to you. So again, that phrase is being used right here in our passage to describe John. If you look at that term there, it says will be. And that's like a state of being for him. It's not just a describing word like, you know, oh, um, 
Miss Perhoda here is joyful, which she often is, right? But when you are a state of being, of joy, it's like who you are. It's in your character. It doesn't change when the circumstances around you change. And that's kind of what we talked about in the beginning of our sermon this morning of you might be in some hard circumstances right now in this season and this time of year, but we can still choose joy. We can still choose gladness. It can be a state of being for us, not just a temporary thing. Let's look at our next passage here out of Luke. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Again, I was thinking of myself and her situation, and it says she hurried. I thought, yeah, a young girl, unmarried, 14, 15, and she's, she's learned that she has a relative that's also expecting. Would it make sense that she would want to run to somebody who has, um, uh, is in the same situation she is? And I thought about that in the, in the situation of how many of you maybe need to run to someone that's a little further down the line from you in something? You know, maybe you need to, to go to a mentor, someone who's been through something before, a little more mature or older um, that you can go to. So she runs to Elizabeth, and I think because she found safety in being with Elizabeth, and she could tell her, Elizabeth, Elizabeth knew, like they could share this experience together. And as she answers here, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is when the prophetic word um, spoken to Zechariah came to pass. Now, I love this because I, I was thinking about, you know, how close together were these homes? You know, if Mary's kind of running off and she's ready to share this news with somebody and not maybe ready for everybody to know about it. And then here she encounters Mary and listen to how, or Elizabeth, she says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed. <laughs> I thought, you know, if I have a deep secret and I'm only going to share it with one person and maybe the houses are close together here, I don't know. But she says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You know, I was thinking, again, Elizabeth is further in years. I almost feel like she knew the gravity of this baby that Mary was carrying, maybe even more than Mary knew herself at the time. Because she's saying, you're carrying my Lord the baby in your womb is going to be my Lord and Savior. She's already processing this and calling this out. And I think Mary is just, you know, she's here I am, use me. And I think sometimes we need to recognize that maybe we don't know the gravity, the, the, the big um, scheme of things, and God intentionally might be protecting us from that big picture because if we knew, we would not say yes. I'm going to share a personal story in a little bit. And let me tell you, if I knew what I was getting into before, I might have not have said yes. But Elizabeth knew. And Elizabeth um, called this out for her. I want to take just a minute and, and kind of let us personalize this story a little bit. Because I think that there are people in here today who have something in you that is incubating. 
something in you that is maybe that's been brewing, something of a dream that maybe you've put on a shelf, maybe something that you thought, oh, I thought I would do that in my 20s, but I'm, I'm kind of too old to go back to school now. Or I really, I always wanted to, to start my own business and, and go out on my own, but it's just a dream that probably won't happen. Or maybe it's, you know, I, I, I've wanted to have a child, but I'm, I'm older like Elizabeth and it's just not for me. And maybe God has spiritual children for you. So I want you to think about that, and we're going to have some application time to pray over that in a little bit, but what might be a dream in you that you know God spoke to you, and you have, maybe because of fear, not stepped out, not taken that step forward into that, and for all the good reasons have decided it wasn't going to be for you, but maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day that God is saying, I am incubating something in you, and it's going to come to pass. And, you know, a pregnancy, we know the timeline on that. We know that's about a nine-month experience, but sometimes it can be years. And sometimes we pray for something for a long time, like Elizabeth and Zachariah did. And I just want to say that for each of you today, there might be something that God is still doing and stirring in your life, young or old, whatever stage you're in, that He wants to bring to pass and bring the unseen into the scene. And now you might be saying, well, you know, this is the parents of Jesus. This is Zachariah of the priestly line. This is Elizabeth. This is, this is for them. You know, these, these are the holy people. These are, they are in scripture. How could this be for me? Well, we have a passage of scripture, and I'm actually going to have you stand up for a minute on this, make sure we're all awake, <laughs> tracking here. And in scripture, it's so clear about how God feels about each of you. It is so clear how much he loves you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your thoughts before you think them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read this passage that's familiar to many of you out of Psalms 139, and I want you to put your name into that. Now, it's already personalized. It's already I and my and so forth, but there's just something about you saying your name, putting your name in there. It's going to sound a little messy. That's okay. You know, we're going to have the people here, people on the live stream. I encourage you to put your name in there too. And really recognize that this is for you. God created you for a plan and a purpose. And if you're still here, if you're not dead, you're, you still have a plan. There's a song we sing sometimes about that, right? <laughs> if I'm still living, he must still have a reason for me. Okay, so let's read this together. Here we go. For you created my inmost being. You knit Heather together in her mother's womb. I praise you because Heather is fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When my Heather came woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. As you sit down, just let that sink into you for a minute. 
He saw your unformed body just like he saw Jesus and John's. He already knows the days. It says that uh, all the ordains are written in your book even before one came to be. Here's another uh, interesting quote, a couple quotes that talk about, um, you know, the womb and this, you know, area of childbirth. Uh, Martin Luther says, even if all the world were to combine forces, they cannot bring about the conception of a single child in any woman's womb, nor cause it to be born. That is wholly the work of God. And the second quote there, the womb is like an altar. It's the place where God continually comes into the world and does what only God can do, create. You know, we've seen some beautiful art today. I, I love the the scene that we had again and just the giftings and how people use their giftings to create, paint, do the materials, the worship team, all those. We were born to create because we were made by the creator, right? And everything is, is perfect in his creation and the way he does things. So I mentioned to you, I'll share a little of a personal journey that I've been on. And if any of you have, you know, prepared for a message or sermon or, or even just something to share before, you know that often in your preparations of delivering something for other people, you realize how it's pointed back at you and something that you needed or something you have part you know, a testimony to share. And so that was kind of my situation this week as I was finishing up the notes and, and sending them off that the Lord said, well, you know that you have a timeline. You, you have something that's literally kind of being incubated right now that's in that womb stage. And so go ahead and share, share that story as an encouragement. And so um, as I share this, it started for me in, in this last July. Um, some of you prayed me out. I was heading out to the nation of Laos to do some work with YWAM, uh, Youth with a Mission. And as Andrew shared, I work with teacher training. And that's kind of my ministry focus, uh, ministry that's called Educating for Life. And what we do is we bring teacher training to developing nations where the skills of the teachers often are very low. And some of the teachers have not much more beyond an eighth grade education, and yet they are put into a classroom with anywhere from 60 to 100 students and no skills and very little resources. And so our ministry is to go into those places and give them a biblical worldview of education and help them see how when they, they see God in that area, that sphere of society, they can make such an impact. And so I was on one of those trips this summer in July, and like I often do, because I, this, I was alone, I wasn't traveling with my family, I said, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm going to have this amazing time with you. Kind of, what's my next assignment? And, uh, and I was praying about this, because on other trips, he'd kind of given me some, some big things. And, and he said, I want you to pray for this one person. And, you know, I, I admit I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, just pray for one person. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem very big. And, uh, and so he said, no, just, just pray for one person every day. I said, okay, I can do that. I prayed for that person. So next day, I'm literally on the rooftop of this building. I'm kind of overlooking the city. And Lord, what do you want to show me? Like, what's going to happen in the training? Or what's going to be my next step? And he said, I told you yesterday. 
Just pray for one person, that same person, every day until I tell you to stop. And now this wasn't the first time he had done this. About four years ago, uh, similarly, the Lord put somebody on my heart. And again, it was somebody kind of really hard to pray for. I'm like, oh, to pray for this person every day. I don't even like this person. And uh, so that's how it goes sometimes. So I felt like God even gave me a specific timeline then. He said from September 15th to March 15th, every day, pray for this person. So... I had had a little bit of a track record now of the Lord doing this. I thought, okay, I can, I can do this. So I said yes to that. In the meantime, I had been just entering into some conversations with a, um, some businessmen, and their business is to create learning management platforms for universities. And so they, they work here in the United States. They work globally. Um, so they're really on the tech side of creating things, kind of like a Google Classroom, but with a lot more bells and whistles to it. And so I'd been introduced to them and started to have some meetings, but I was much more of kind of a, a, a resource person at that point, like in the meetings to hear what they were doing and give input as an educator of how they might shape their technology that would best land with teachers didn't really know my part in the story at that point. Fast forward to November, just last month, and this business um, went into a contract with a nation to provide teacher training from kindergarten through university across their entire nation, and with the goal that they would train 400,000 teachers Let that number sink in. (laughs) Almost half a million. 400,000 teachers in the first couple of years um, with a goal that in five years that this learning management system would have the capacity for two million. So they signed this contract in mid-November and I went out to Kona, Hawaii for a week with this group as well as some other um, groups, most of them actually businesses, but all kingdom-minded. The founders of this tech business are both believers. And it was so beautiful to see how as we came together, everybody was in that slide of the fear place of like fear of the Lord. God, this can only happen by you. None of us in this room are equipped individually, collectively, and with God doing all the work, that's all we can do. In fact, we kept hearing this theme of loaves and fishes. What do you have in your hands? Loaves and fishes. That's for each of you today, too. What do you have in your hand? You all have something that's in your hand already that you can offer the Lord, and you can see the multiplication. You know, if you think of the story of the loaves and fishes, it was one boy who brought his lunch, right? It was food for one. (laughs) Sometimes we think of like, well, it was five fishes or in one story, it's seven fishes. Yeah, they're probably like sardines. The little boy was not eating, you know, (laughs) and regardless. So the Lord took the loaves and fishes lunch for one and he fed 5,000. The other story, I think he feeds 7,000. And so the Lord was just reminding us as we're in these meetings, he's saying, because you were obedient to the one, you said, yeah, I'll pray for one every day. Now I can give you the multitudes. And sometimes we just need to start with that step of like, yes, Lord, I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to be like a Mary and say, I don't know what is ahead of me in my life, but I'm going to say yes. That's what Mary did. 
It wasn't like Elizabeth's story where she had prayed and prayed and prayed and wanted something. She was young. She didn't know what life was ahead of her. But when he asked her, you know, and said, this is what I want for you, she said, okay, Lord, yes. And so in the story, we're in these meetings, and it's becoming very clear that my ministry is going to be the teacher training that will be part of this contract, and that we have a very front row seat in this. We're not just little guide on the side consultants, but we will be helping to um, you know, put our curriculum on there, travel to this nation, build into this nation, mentor people, train people up. And interesting on the timeline, again, this is what the Lord brought to me this week, is he said, look at what that timeline was. They signed in mid-November. Our team, December 1st, made a commitment. In fact, I went around to each of my teammates and I said, okay, we're all in. When can you go? When can you go? When can you go? And I was just blown away by the willingness when God puts it on people's heart, when he puts a dream in their heart for them to just say, yep, I'm willing. And some people, yeah, I'll go, for, I'll go three times next year. Oh, I'll go, I'll go twice oh, I'm going to go there and I'm going to live there for four months and I'm going to be boots on the ground and I'm going to get the ground prepared for us. And so God was so in it. And though that was December 1st, contract signed in November. Guess what nine months is? Nine months is when the program is expected to launch and when the contract date says we have to get started. <laughs> So that's my story. That's my, what's in my womb right now? What am I incubating? I'm incubating this massive project where I'm in that place of fear and joy. When people have asked me about it, and even my team as we debriefed, it's like, I'm terrified. This is insane. We usually train maybe a thousand teachers a year. You're asking us to train, you know, 30,000 in that first year and building up to 400,000. So it's this place of, of fear, and it's really like, it can't be me, God. There's absolutely no way this can be just a, a small group of people. But yet at the same time, it's exciting. It's joy because I can't believe he would bring me into the story. And I think that's part of probably even Mary. Like, she was a little bit fearful. Like, what is going to happen? But wow, Lord, you chose me. And I think today the, the message is for each of us is what are you carrying? What is the dream that God has in you? What is in your womb that God wants to stir up again, to rekindle for you? And if you just give him your yes, you might say, I've been praying for decades, Lord. You don't, you don't understand, Heather. It hasn't come to pass yet. You know, that's what probably Elizabeth thought. And yet we know that story. And so what I would like us to do is to think for a minute about this um, idea. What is a God-sized dream that you are waiting for? In fact, I think I'll have us stand up one more time, keep us moving around. And uh, <laughs> as you're thinking about this, if you want to have this posture, you don't have to, but to put your hands out and say, Lord, what is in me? Is there already a dream that's been stirring? Maybe you're like me, you're kind of like one month in now. I'm realizing I'm about a month into this, you know, process. Or maybe you're just, uh, you're on the side of Mary and you're going, I don't know, Lord, I have not a thought about a dream. I don't really know what it might be. 
but maybe you just give your yes today. So Father, I just pray over each person here and those watching live that they would surrender any dreams, any things on their heart that maybe have been shelved because of fear, because of circumstances, whatever the reasons, Lord God, that you want to rekindle that, that you want to bring birth something in the womb of each and every one here. And God, those that are just in the position of saying, here's my open hands, Lord, yes, use me. God, that you will answer that prayer. Both of these beautiful prayers that God loves to answer. God, I feel like you will do that today, and we will hear testimonies of how you are doing that in the coming months. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we wrap up, you can have your seats now. Um, just leaving you with a couple thoughts to remember. First one here is that, that God does hear you. He hears your prayers. They don't go unnoticed. That comes out of uh, John. Uh, actually, it's not John. That's an, a mistake. It's Luke 1.13. That was from our passage today. Um, the second point there is to have faith. To keep pressing in, to keep pushing forward, even when you see there's not evidence of it. You know, when a, a woman is pregnant and everything's happening in the womb, I mean, the mom feels stuff and she knows stuff's happening and her hormones are changing and all of that. But there's so much in the unseen. And that might be where you are. So keep praying and having faith even in those unseen things. And then the last one out of Philippians 3.15 says, don't give up. It talks about pressing on towards the goal. So keep pressing on towards that goal. Whether that's something, you know, for you personally, maybe it's even something for a family member. Maybe you're pressing on for the goal and believing for a prodigal child today, and it's almost Christmas, and you're just wanting that child to come back to the Lord. God's heard the prayers for that prodigal child. Keep having the faith, and don't give up, and see what he says. See what he does. So I'm going to have our prayer team come up this morning, and I would just encourage you, if there was something put on your heart during that time where you stood up and surrendered or were praying about that, that share that with the prayer team or share that with a friend or a spouse. Don't let that little seed that God just started to germinate today, don't let it fade. But sometimes when we share it with another person, that gives us that accountability. You know, Mary, she hurried to Elizabeth so they could share in this experience in this moment. So if you have something on your heart, again, um, as the prayer team's coming up, um, give that to them. So I'll close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can walk in joy. And even at times, maybe this tension where there is some fear and trembling and joy at the same time, but God, that you are sovereign over all and that you have something for each and every one here today because they were created in their mother's womb and you know them so intimately and your plans for them are for good and not for harm. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So be blessed. We'll see you next week as we do our fourth week of Advent. Okay.